Hi, my name is Ali and I'm the founder of She Mentors, a membership site and events company that connects women in business with mentors, experts and peers. Today I chat with Rachel Service, founder of The Happiness Concierge. She is a master of the mojo and designs kick-ass programs that help people boost their confidence and self-esteem. She works with corporates, universities, consultants, and she's making huge waves across Australia. But she's also battled depression and anxiety in her life and had major burnout while working crazy hours at a job in London. But fortunately, Beyonce came to the rescue, which is, yep, a true story, and helped her get back on her feet. So we chat all about that, and she shares loads of useful tips to help us fill up our mojo cup, which is a new phrase I've learned from Rach. So I hope you enjoy this episode and get loads of important insights. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the She Mentors podcast with me. This one is particularly special because She Mentors is celebrating its second birthday and you were one of our very first speakers back in 2017. So thank you so much. High five, well done. So exciting. Um, so, Rach, do you want to give a little intro um, and tell everyone all about the Happiness Concierge and a bit about you? I'd love to. Thank you. Great to be here on the podcast. A big fan of what you do and a big fan of She Mentors and your incredible community. Amazing. <laughs> Rachel Service, yes, that is my real last name, is my name, and I'm the founder and director of Happiness Concierge a kick-ass training company helping you ace work in life. So we work with Australia's leading blue chip organisations and we help both organisations, individuals and businesses ace work in life. These comprise the Reserve Bank of Australia, PowerCore, AGL, Science and Technology Australia and almost every university across the country. We also work with individuals doing kick-ass coaching as well as leadership coaching and we have a range of online programs such as Mojo School, which is something that's really close to my heart so there's no wrong way to get your mojo back and we're in the business of of helping you ace work in life (laughs) right you nailed that intro that just sounded so great I'm completely sold on the happiness concierge not that I wasn't already um so great how did you start the whole business like let's go back to like rewind and because it sounds like you're just getting so much traction you're working with all these amazing companies What was it like at the beginning and why did you start the Happiness Concierge? (laughs) Well, truth be told, I started a blog called Happiness Concierge as a catharsis, as an outlet to heal myself. Having spent years in the throes of adrenal fatigue, suffering not one, not two, but three burnouts, anxiety, depression, disordered eating, I was throwing my life into work and I didn't have really core skills around how to say no, how to flex my boundaries. I had a vague idea of ambition, but I wasn't really clear what success looked like to me. And I absolutely didn't know how to top up my mojo cup. Uh, So that led to a series of burnouts, adrenal fatigue, passing out in the shower before work one day. Uh, Yeah, I was was in the bottom of the bathroom floor, actually. And uh, my boyfriend came in and he said, Rach, are you okay? And I said, "Um, I'm fine, Bradley. I've got a really important job. I'm in ad sales. I have to get back to work. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So I went back to work and uh, I then went through a series of another burnout. At the worst, I couldn't get out of bed for six months. I weighed about 48 kilos and it was really, I had to be supervised when I did go back to work. So 
that really came to a head when I went to see my spiritual healer, that of course being Beyonce. <laughs> uh, and I went to New York and I went to, a, you know, one of her concerts, which I've been to many, happy to discuss that in more detail later. Okay. And at that concert, I cried for the full two and a half hours. And it wasn't a, a release cry, like, isn't life beautiful? Like, her um, highly lauded documentary but in fact it was that release of I'm exhausted I'm fed up I'm sick of this BS and I'm ready to make some changes so when I saw myself in the reflection of the subway on the way back to Chinatown in New York I thought oh my gosh everybody's singing oh 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 you know everyone's smiling right and here I am in my Beyonce t-shirt Beyonce brochure Beyonce bag and I can't even enjoy something that means a lot to me. Holy smokes. I reckon I must be the problem here. And there has to be a switch about the way that I look in life and the types of decisions that I made. So I, I came back to Melbourne. I started a blog to heal myself. And I didn't know, and you're a digital marketer, so you know this, but I'm not. I didn't know that my Medium account connected to my Twitter account. And somebody in my network said, hey, thanks so much for sharing your experiences of burnout she said, it's nice to know that I'm not alone. Mm. And I, I felt that flicker in my stomach and I was like, oh, this is helping someone. And that was four or five years ago. Oh, that's incredible. And I think there's probably so many people out there have gone through exactly the same thing as you. Do you know what caused it? Was it purely from work stress or was it things you were telling yourself? Like, do you know what was causing all those feelings? Yeah, a series of things. So it was, it was both emotional, mental, and physical. So physically, I was surviving in about four to five coffees a day, 10 cigarettes a day. And whenever I would get hungry, I would just have a cigarette. So physically, I was running myself dry. Uh, mentally, I was telling myself that I wasn't enough, I wasn't good enough, that I was a failure, that I was, in fact, a fat failure, um, and to not waste any time. Um, and the third part was emotionally. Uh, emotionally, I was chasing some vague ideas success and I didn't know why I started so I didn't know how to stop so the confluence of those things really meant that my body would send me signals which I'd ignore and just shove coffee into and get back to work that I'd ignore and then it it actually had me passing out at times saying enough is enough but that didn't continue until I decided I got to change some stuff because the lies I'm telling myself well they're enabling pretty unhelpful behavior Mm. it's great that you're able to recognize that after you know quite a while because sometimes you just don't acknowledge those feelings and you're charging through and you're so stressed and you don't actually but it took something like you're passing out in the shower which is awful to hear Rach like you say it with a a smile on your face but my god that's pretty intense well I think that hindsight is a wonderful thing yes I passed out in the shower when I was 22 I did nothing about that when I was 24, I couldn't walk for six months. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't even go for a run without bursting into tears. I changed nothing. When I turned 29, the signals were happening again. It wasn't until I couldn't enjoy something that had meaning to me. And yes, it sounds shallow, Beyonce, her real highness. I couldn't enjoy Beyonce. For other people, that's family, being the present parent that they want to be. For other people, it's not meeting a deadline. You know, I think we all make decisions, but we tell ourselves lies to validate behavior that doesn't serve us. And that's what I was doing for years until I decided I do want to be successful. I want to rewrite the book of what that means to me. 
and I'm going to share my journey along the way. I never had a plan to launch a business, but there was a commercial opportunity and I'm in the business as a public relations background of making opportunities happen. So, you know, I'm the daughter of a salesman and a teacher. So here we are running Happiness Concierge. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's incredible what you've achieved. So you had the blog, you had some great feedback from people. What was the next steps? Um, When did you start thinking, oh, God, I've actually got some traction here and how did you think I'm going to make this a business? Yeah, so the first step was hearing commercial opportunity. When I did the talk about my burnout story, somebody said in the audience, oh, you've got a workshop on this, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, of course. And then I you know, went home and Googled how to write a workshop. <laughs> I spent years in the public relations industry creating pitches, so I knew how to do that. And then at that workshop, I think tickets were about 25 bucks each, somebody in the audience gave me their card and said, oh, you know, I'm so, from so-and-so organisation, can you email me your corporate rates? I went, yeah, yeah, no worries. And I, you know, called my dad and said, do you know what a corporate rate is? (laughs) (laughs) And then from that, they said, great, well, do you have an online program? I said, yeah, of course. And then I Googled how to write an online program that night. So it's about saying, as they teach you in theatre sports, yes and, making a decision to make something work and knowing in your heart of hearts what your conviction is. Did I know how to do a profit and loss? No. Did I know what corporate rates were? No. Did I know what contracts look like and public liability insurance? No. Did I have competency in any of those areas? Absolutely not. I knew how to be a performer and to sell anything. Did I know how to run a business? If no, did I learn? Yes. Anything's possible. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's, I think that's what most people do now. It's like, I quickly Google it and see how to do it. Um, so when did you start scaling your team then? Because you actually, it's not just you anymore. Like you've got this whole network of amazing people working with you. So when did that all start? Well, in year one, to be honest, Happiness Concierge was a fun little blog. I don't think I made a dime. I would speak at the opening of an envelope. I'd speak anywhere. I, I just loved it, and I still do. In year two, it became, how can you book Rachel's service to share her story and her insights? And so I felt there there was a need for this. How did I scale it? I needed people. And so to do that, I started putting my feelers out and going through all the workshop files I had over the last two years and saying, who did I meet who had presence? Who did I meet that had charisma? And who do I did I meet who has a resolved story? At Happiness Concierge, we always say, never speak from the scar, only speak from the wound. Who has a resolved story that they will they have a mojo cup filling up, so filled up they're ready to help others? And so from that, I approached people. They then came through my intensive three-day boot camp. I taught them everything I knew. That was an audition. Those two survived, were shortlisted, and underwent six months training to become happiness concierges, and now they're commercially ready so I now have a team of nearly 20 across Australia as freelance contractors who I get the brief it's like a talent agency in terms of how we're structured here's the brief here's the fee here's the client here's what we need to be successful are you in and then people can have that flexible working portfolio career or contracting or doing their side around their other interests yeah I love that I love how you scaled it and so it's not just you don't need to be everywhere, but your presence with the happiness concierge is everywhere. Um, and I wanted to ask you, so you've got, so you were going through all these problems and then you started the blog and then you started your business. We're still dealing with these issues and it kind of leads me on to my next question, which is going to be all about like, how did you get your mojo back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. When the way that I work is once I've resolved something, I write it and then I put it into a how to, and then I sell it. That's how I that's how I operate. You know, things that I'm going through currently that I'm working through, I'm resolving those so then I can eventually share those how-tos with others. How did I get my mojo back? Well, for me, when I looked 
when I looked past my Beyonce experience in the year I spent rebuilding myself, it was around six core lessons, which we now sell in Mojo School. What's important to me? What do I want? You know, when I first wrote I want list, I wrote all this BS for five versions until I got real and said, I would love to be a motivational speaker. I'm too scared for anyone to hear that. So I did that. And then I did a people audit. Who in my life is taking me to greatness? And who in my life is helping me with a narrative that no longer suits me? And then the third step, you know, I write down what fills up my mojo cap. I didn't know how to have fun. I still find that really challenging. When I, you know, the afternoon I took off yesterday to get my mojo back, I thought, right, what is it that I do for fun? I had to look at my mojo cap list. And then I created a game plan. So just know that it's ongoing. And the founder of Happiness Concierge has wobbles at times. And even yesterday when I went to go top up my mojo cap, I had to look at my list because it doesn't come naturally to me. Mm. <laughs> so that's the thing I think you, when you speak to you and you're looking at you now and you're so animated and you've got this lovely smile on your face um, you bring a lot of your personality to the forefront of what you do um, and I think a lot of us struggle with that I think bringing out your true personality but also being sparkly and on form for companies and for interviews and for your business that's quite difficult um, and I wondered if you had like advice around that sort of like you bring a lot of personality to it is it important to have that? Yeah, there are two things I'm hearing in your question. Number one, how much of my full self do I bring to work? And number two, how do I switch it on and off and have a private self and public self? If we're talking about the first one, how much do I bring to my work? Where I suddenly found in my 20s and a number of the clients I work with today is around that tension of I am this creative, vivacious, uh, ambitious person, yet the workplace environment, you know, one of the most critical factors that influence our behavior at work is forcing me to feel like I should hold back or I should wear a gray suit or I should, you know, not be my beautiful, authentic self. And, and my advice is, you know, read the environment. You don't really need to bring a whole fucking self to work. Sometimes it's actually not appropriate. You know, my authentic self is wanting to air guitar down the supermarket most days. You know, I would love to do a cartwheel into workplace presentations. Does that stop people from taking me seriously? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so my advice is being true to yourself. Where are my outlets? Where are my needs being met to be my authentic self? Do I need to bring that to work? If that's how you'd like to live, effing great. Do you need to? Hey, not always. We do have a gap between our private and public self. Where we feel a conflict is in the middle where we feel like we're being neither our private self or public self anywhere. To answer your question about switching on for clients and how you do that and how does the happiness concierge keep the mojo cup full, to be honest, sometimes I'm not feeling it. Sometimes I've got raging period cramps. Sometimes I've got diarrhea before a workshop. You know, like neurofin exists for a reason. I think as a business owner, you have to make a decision about who are my private people, like Beyonce has a private squad, as do I, and who are my public people and who am I here to serve? If you're turning up to a client and saying, oh, the traffic was rubbish, gosh, I'm exhausted, if they're paying you 10 grand a day, I'm pretty sure they're not really that interested in hearing about that side of life. So I think as business owners or anyone working, identify where your outlet is creatively, but also how much of yourself you really need to bring to work. If you don't bring 100%, is anyone really going to notice? And you feel if you aren't being your authentic self, often that's around how comfortable you are having courageous and constructive conversations and giving feedback to answer your question about personality however I've said to all of my concierges at any stage of any stage of their life cycle I'd rather you be over the top and risk saying something risky than hold back Um, and that's very much a lesson that I've hard learned myself. 
Because mm, so many people hold back. I think that's the biggest thing. So I've gone through the same thing. Like some jobs, like especially when I was like younger in my 20s, I would also just be like, I'm going to be actually professional and, you know, not really be my like true self at work because it's not professional. But I do think there's a massive switch now towards being not completely out there, a cartwheeling into work, although I do like that idea. Um, but I do feel like there is, a, is this a move towards being comfortable with who you are and bringing your personality to work because I think you get more genuine connections with people as well. So I think there is a lot to be said for that. And it's interesting you hearing about that and us holding ourselves back. Do you think, what are the big things that you've seen where women or, or guys are holding themselves back in the workplace? Yeah, there are three areas I see people holding themselves back. One is if an old narrative no longer suits them. Let's say they've grown up in the company, they've been there for four to eight years, and they might have started either as the assistant or the junior sales guy or, you know, a senior graphic designer, and they've evolved with the company. They hold themselves back because there's a perception of, oh, you're the person who came in four years ago. You grow and evolve so much in so given time. And not always if we're communicating our expertise and our growth and bringing our you know, presentable selves to work. Do people get to see that? The second way that people hold themselves back uh, is, you know, environmental. I mean, if you choose to go on leave, if you choose to have a family, your whole life changes. Your whole life changes. And so plenty of people in our network and our return to work training uh, say, look, behind the scenes, I've been up since, you know, three in the morning doing three shifts before I even get to work. Do I have to still pretend that I'm just breezing in at 9.30 and can I, can I tell people about what's happening behind work? And also their confidence is completely eroded. So how do you bring that badass self back to work? And the third area is around people would rather pay us to help them learn how to have a constructive conversation than learn how to give feedback. And I know that myself because it's something I find really tricky. So in the terms of way that people hold themselves back, either it's around confidence or perceptions currently that you do soft skills when in fact you do great technical skills for example when I think about a recent client or it's around giving feedback you know in terms of people not bringing their full selves to work there's a lot going on in any given day for some people work's a bit of a relief for me I didn't realize I was actually animated I had no idea people might consider me quirky I didn't know that this was so energetic I was completely naive to the perception out there when I had this blog as a creative outlet People started validating that. And that, for me, gave me a feeling of, oh, I'm allowed to be myself. That's allowed. Then when we started working with corporates, that was another step as well because I was thinking, do I be myself or do they pay for that or do they want a corporate version? And that's really that's really the awkward line that um, I'm still learning about to this day, to be honest. And how do you, like, how do you learn that? Like, what would you say, like, if someone was like, hey, I'm not being my true self at work, I've got this whole perception – how, what are some few like tips maybe they can go in and start doing or at least exploring a little bit more? Yeah. So when I think about people who come to me with this challenge, my question is, if we were to go for gold, what really is the goal here? And often they'll say, oh, well, I can't possibly think about going for gold because I've got all these barriers, right? And so I say, great, well, let's have a big vent. Let's talk about all the barriers. Black, right, let's put that to the side. Again, if we were to go for gold, what would that look like? And often people find it really challenging to articulate that because we're creatures of habit. It's so much easier to talk about the rubbish stuff around us. Like so-and-so stole our mug. So-and-so doesn't possibly understand who I am. 
So the first step would be to carve out that space. When we teach find work that matters, it's around create space. What is it that's important to me? For me, that was every Sunday, and now we have Happiness Concierge Sundays. What's important to me? And, and the second one is what I might be holding me back. Is it perceived or is it reality? When I think about the leadership coaches, coaching clients that I work with, often there's a perception that they have a certain skill set when they actually do a lot of kick-ass value on this other side and they haven't communicated that value. And the third part is to put your toe in the water, test it out. When I was, you know, much younger, people would say, how was your weekend? And I would say, great, how was yours? I'd be petrified of telling them actually what was really happening in my own say world. Test it out on small people, you know, on small environments where you trust and see what the feedback's like. You know, we lose control when we feel we have no other choice and we're backed into a corner. Instead of going for that, why not try it out in some people and say, oh, well, actually, um, I've got something really unusual happening behind the scenes. How about you? And create those genuine connections because we work higher, promote and reward people we like and we can't get to know people if they don't tell us something about themselves. Mm. Okay, great. So have so test test and learn really. <laughs> get out there and just a way of saying it, isn't it? Yeah. See, <laughs> I'm true to my true to my industry. Um, and one thing I was gonna ask as well um, is about negative self-talk. So one of the first events that you ever spoke at for She Mentors back in the day was around imposter syndrome. Um, so this is just such a rife issue. Like we have these negative thoughts coming into our heads every day. What are your tips, um, advice for sort of acknowledging them, dealing with them, getting over them? With imposter training, you'll be happy to know that 70% of most of the population struggle with some form of imposterdom at some stage. So number one, you're not alone. Number two, it's not really that special because everyone feels like that at some given time. We feel that we're an imposter when our reality looks different from our future identity. And while we believe it is possible, part of us wants to sabotage that success. So the first thing we say at Happiness Concierge is to look at positive reframing. So what's the worst thing that could happen if you took that speaking opportunity AD gave you? If you said yes to the dress, if you, you know, put yourself forward in a board meeting, what's the what's the best thing that could happen and what's the worst thing that could happen? And then create a mantra. So at Happiness Concierge, I was thinking, what's the best thing that could happen? Great. I could go on stage. What's the worst thing that could happen? I'll get nervous tummy, I'll get nervous voice, I'll get shaky hands, I get really, you know, the adrenaline takes over. Okay, what's a mantra I can phrase around that? Well, the mantra is I'm nervous because I'm excited. I'm excited because I want it to go well. I want this to go well because it's really important to me. I'm excited. And studies show that when we replace I'm nervous with I'm excited, we're far more likely to not only do better at mass tests and karaoke tests, we're more likely to succeed towards our goals. So the positive reframe is a great one. And also, to be quite honest, it can be tempting to say, oh, I've got imposter syndrome to fit in. Think about yourself. Are you willing to continue this narrative or are you interested in pursuing what you know you really deserve? Those individuals, I know you're out there and I know you're ready. So we're here for you because we always want to go to the group where we feel like we belong. And when everybody else is saying they have imposter syndrome, it can be pretty tempting to think that you could fit in too. And that's not always the case. Mm. And do you see that a lot with imposter syndrome, even with the people you work with who are like talking about these issues, do they also have it? Absolutely. Almost every one of our happiness concierges at some stage has said, just so you know, I'm doing this because you believe in me. And I was like, well, that's one person. What would happen if you believed in you too? 
you know, we had three concierges speak in front of 200 people recently on different days at a recent festival. And each of them said, yeah, no, I'm nervous because I'm excited. I want this to go well. And they've all said to me after, like, it did go well. We had rehearsals here, here at my office. We had rehearsals in the venue. We had video rehearsals to put their best foot forward. So then they could alleviate those fears. And they all said, just so you know, I was completely petrified. And I was like, great, well, you made a choice. And those choices are what I'm interested in. Every happiness concierge experiences this at some stage. You know, I'm 37, nearly 38, and just the other week I was in rural New South Wales giving a keynote, and I was calling my mum, who's in her 70s, to say, is this a good idea? <laughs> this will land? You know, so everyone's really looking for that validation that they're doing something that matters, and um, myself included. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Very refreshing. And But actually, it's <laughs> true because all the speakers I've had that come up on stage at She Mentors events, they've said the same thing to me. They're like, oh, you know, I, I get a bit of imposter syndrome and I definitely get it when I get up on stage. So it's completely rife. So I like positive reframing. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And it's a daily habit, isn't it, really? It's not something you just sort of get over. <laughs> it's hourly, minute for me. You know, a brief will come off across my desk every five minutes and I'm saying, great, I'm nervous because I'm excited. I'm excited because I'm excited to learn some new things. Mm-hmm. Your trickiest clients and your trickiest team members will teach you the most and help you become great so instead of fearing that saying I'm leaning into this because this will help me become great Mm. yeah that's great um so Rach what have you got coming up because you you you're kind of across workshops and corporate training and you've got this sort of academy I guess of um of happiness concierges uh what's coming up for you at the moment we have our biannual boot camp, which is a three-day presentation boot camp across Melbourne and Sydney. So we have a number of trainers going out, talking to people, bringing them along to boot camp. We have our online programs, of which we'll be launching some more shortly. And for, you can check out all the upcoming events across Australia on happinessconcierge.com. That's amazing. And we, by the time this airs, I think we'll have done our event together, but you're also speaking at my special second birthday She Mentors event at General Assembly. Um, so that's going to be a really good one because that's about selling yourself authentically, which is, we've kind of touched on a few points today, but it's going to really go in depth with that one as well. So I'm excited I'm for that. so excited for that. The majority of female identifying clients I work with say the following phrase, I'm no good at sales. And I'll say, great, have you tested that assumption? And they'll say, well, no, well, I'm no good at it. Why would I do it? So if you want a pitch that feels authentic to you, if you want a pitch that you can sleep well with at night, uh, come along and, and find your words and practice in a really safe, supportive environment. That's what She Mentors delivers. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, we'll be videoing you on the night as well as so we have some little snippets for everybody to um, to take home with them. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that, Rach. Um, and you must stay in touch and let me know how everything goes over the next sort of six to 12 months because I'm watching your, you with, you know, admiration of all you're doing. Well, that's absolutely a two-way process. I love She Mentors. I love the membership that you've got going on and I know the value that people get from it. So high five to you, Ed. Thanks, Rach. I'll catch you soon. Can't wait. See you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rachel Service, the founder of The Happiness Concierge. It's really good to know that even established speakers and business owners all experience imposter syndrome and those negative self-talk because I know it affects so many people. Um, So if you do feel like this, you're not on your own. 
Um, and if you love what Rach is all about, then you're going to love all the women on the She Mentors platform. Uh, every single one of us donates one hour of our month to another member. So this really does guarantee that you're, you're making some real authentic connections and you can actually talk to people about these kind of feelings about how to overcome um, imposter syndrome or getting your mojo back or lack of confidence. Um, so definitely check it out. It's open to everyone around the world. We're based in Melbourne, but this platform really does connect some incredible women. So you can check that out at shemantors.com.au. Okay, catch you next time.